0: BustedTs.com, Like t-shirts? I I have a question. Why have you not already gone there and started buying all the cool geeky gear they offer? Look, I'm not just saying this because they're a sponsor. I mean, they are, so it helps. But I'm saying this because it's true and because we love you and we want to see you smile, boo. They have retro movie, game, and pop culture inspired clothing and apparel. And their stuff is amazing. Go over, drop some gear in your cart, then drop our promo code at checkout. That's my name, Jason, 25945. And they're going to hook you up with a sweet discount. You're happy, we're happy, peace falls across the world, and you look badass when it happens. That code again is Jason, 25945. And that website is BustedTees.com designs that pop culture lyric is the story of a cursed town of a missing musician a forgotten soul and a song that will bring them all together under its dark sirens call now a warning this book contains scenes of violence suggestions of rape, and other material that might not be suitable for children or the faint of heart. But I hope you stick around, because there is an evil looking for a way out, and it's finding that way through a story and a song. Hello to all my storied friends. It is I, Jason Emmett, and I'm so glad you came back this week. As I said last episode, I'm going to be reading you a short story this week. This is all getting you prepared for the upcoming audiobook novel, Lyric. Really want to set the tone, get the mood just right. And so we're going to tell the tale of two brothers and a bit of a situation they ended up finding themselves in. If you recall, last week I mentioned that this story did not start off as a horror story. But I learned to let the story tell the story it wants to. And this is where we wound up. Before we get started, I want to encourage all of you to check out the website, JasonEmmett.com or lyricnovel.com. You'll find all the updated information on the upcoming book, links to cool stuff, info to more things I'm working on currently, a link to buy me a coffee should you want to donate and help the show out, and a link to the Patreon page where you can go and buy the upcoming... where you can go, subscribe, and get the upcoming audiobook podcast without ads and all up front. Otherwise, join us here each week and get another chapter of our creepy tale. That's it. Let's go ahead and start this week's story, My Brother Jimmy. My Brother Jimmy, written and performed by the author, Jason Emmett. There ain't as much blood as I figured there'd be. I watch the little stream that does flow as it mixes with the hay dust and loose pieces of straw. It works its way forward a couple of inches, then disappears between the gaps in the floorboards. The gun in my hand is getting heavy. Real heavy. I'm not sure why. It ain't that big. Just a small thirty eight snub. But for some reason, it feels like a cinder brick in my grip. I ain't so sure what to do next. Jimmy would know. Jimmy always knew. Mama was always saying how Jimmy got the brains in the family. Me? Well, she always said my brain must be filled with holes or something. She wasn't mean to me. Didn't treat me any worse than Jimmy. But she always let me know where my place was. As for my daddy, well, he took off on us when I was two months old. Mama said we were better off without him. Said he was more akin to places like Darcy's Pub than the family home. She never even told me his name. Although once, when I was around ten or eleven, she starts looking at me all strange like I had something on my face. I asked her what, and she just shook her head and told me I looked a little like my old man right for a second. My brother Jimmy was four years older than I was. I always figured in some ways Jimmy was better than a dad because he was real good about watching out for me, but he was fun to hang around with too. Jimmy and I always got along, and he was always letting me hang around. It wasn't like other brothers I knew always fighting and picking on each other. Now, unlike me, Jimmy was real smart. He was always coming up with little things, most of which I didn't understand. I remember this one time when we was bored, and Jimmy, he goes into the bathroom and pulls out the toilet cleaner. Then he emptied out one of the old flat two-liters we had and filled it about halfway. He pulls me outside and tells me he's going to show me a magic trick I get all excited because I know what that means. He's going to show me something really cool. I say, hell yeah, and he smiles. Jimmy pulls a little wad of tinfoil out of his pocket, drops it in that two liter of toilet cleaner, and tells me to take a step back. A few seconds go by, and that damn bottle erupts, blue liquid and plastic flying all across the yard. When Mama got home, she liked to skin him alive. I just laughed. He told me it was science, some chemical reaction. He was always smart about that kind of thing. Jimmy liked other stuff, too. He spent a lot of time down at the school library picking up books on art and stuff. I never cared much for art myself, but Jimmy said appreciating art made you smarter. That's when he discovered jazz music. Me, I couldn't stand jazz music, and today I hate it even more. It all sounds like whining, and it moves too slow. I prefer the classics, Skinner and Zeppelin. Some say it's because I'm a redneck, and I suppose I am, but I don't think that's why. I like it because it's what I grew up with, and I think you never really leave what you grow up with. Still, Jimmy loved that stuff, and he was always going on and on about how it opened his soul or some nonsense. I told him, talk like that made him sound like a pussy. He gave me a good Charlie horse to the arm. It was Jazz that got him into the mess. Jazz and a girl. He started driving out to this little hole-in-the-wall spot off 42 called The Tempo to see them black guys lay down their stuff. I tried going with him once, but the ass behind the counter carded me, and I spent the night dry and bored. I told Jimmy I'd stick to Darcy's where, if I slipped him an extra fiver... Mr. Dawson, the bartender, had no problem serving me the PBR, even though I was a year and a half from my 21st. A month went by, and Jimmy seemed to be spending more and more of his free time up there at the Tempo. I suspected pretty early on that there was a girl, even though Mama swore Jimmy would never turn his back on me for no piece of trash ass. Jimmy started coming home just before the sun came up, and he started sleeping most of the day. A couple of times, I knocked on his bedroom door and asked if he might want to hit up the pond over off Dry Gravel Road, or maybe swing into town to pick up some smokes. But he always just yelled at me to go away, all irritated-like. Then one night, I caught him just as he was leaving the house, and I saw his face. It was all pale and drained, and there were huge dark rings under his eyes. I asked him if he was okay, and the son of a bitch shoved me out of his way and told me to mind my business. I asked him what his problem was, and he started yelling at me and telling me I needed to grow up. I was pissed at him, and a little hurt, I guess. I told Mama, and she started to cry. She said she thought he might be doing the hard stuff, you know, like that tar shit junkie stick into their arms. I told her that didn't sound like anything Jimmy would do, and she started to yell. Said I needed to grow up, just like Jimmy had. That lit a fire and I decided to follow him, see what he was up to. Now I wonder why I didn't stop it then, before things got this far. Jimmy started off at the tempo. I sat out in the parking lot in my friend Chuck's Plymouth, listening to half-warped cassette tapes and chaining the pack of reds I had stashed in my jacket pocket. I waited almost two hours before Jimmy walked out with the girl clinging to his arm. She was pretty, too. Real pretty. Dark hair and dark eyes that I saw right away held trouble in them. Trouble and pleasure. Other people were stepping out too. Drunk couples staggering to their cars and lonely ones that seemed to slip out unnoticed. But Jimmy and his girl stood out somehow. Or rather, they didn't. I don't know, they were there, but they didn't fit in. They felt all wrong. About halfway across the parking lot... They caught up with these two girls. They were young, probably not much older than me. I didn't recognize either of them, which meant they most likely drove in from the city. Jimmy and the girl, that beautiful dark girl, started talking to them, and they were all laughing and carrying on and stuff. Before you knew it, those two girls were walking back over to Jimmy's car and climbing into the back seat. I didn't want Jim to see me, so I pulled out of the parking lot a few cars back, like you see cops do on those detective shows. Mama used to say I watched too much TV, and that it would rot out what good sense I had left, but I told her you could learn a few things from it, if you knew how to get rid of the garbage parts. They drove for quite a while down roads even I didn't know, which is saying a lot, since I knew most every road in these parts. I nearly lost them at one point, when they turned off the blacktop and started down some old gravel lane. Lucky for me, the moon was up, and I noticed the dust before it settled. I turned and I followed. The lane was surrounded by trees. I ain't scared of closed spaces, but it kind of gave me the jeebies. The canopy above was so thick it blocked out the light from the moon, and it was so dark I started to feel like I was in a coffin six feet under. When the canopy broke and I was finally free, things didn't look much better. My head, all washed out in that creepy blue-gray glow, set a run-down barn. I'd never seen the place before. It's red paint chipped and faded, boards missing in spots. But I knew right away where I was. This was the old tacker place. When you live in a small town, there ain't always a lot to do. So it ain't uncommon for folks to start telling stories. fish tales. Mama called them. They're fun at first. Good way to pass the time sitting around a big fire and tossing back a few Sixers. Sometimes they start getting a little stupid, and then they ain't so scary anymore. The Tacker Place was one of them stories, only it was different. Over the years, I'd been told all sorts of stuff about the Tacker family and what went down out here. Just like all the other fish tales, it seemed to get bigger with each telling, but unlike all them others, it scared me a lot more every time it grew. Morgan Tacker, his wife Tabitha, and his sons Stephen and Joe all lived out here back in the '80s. They were quiet people, but friendly enough, keep mostly to themselves. The house and the barn sat on a nice twenty-acre lot, about eight miles from town. No one seemed to know what Morgan did for a living, but he didn't work in town, and the boys were schooled out of the house, so weeks would go by without anybody seeing the family. Still, people started getting a little nervous after almost two months had passed, and not a peep had been heard. It took some prompting, but the sheriff finally said he'd go check it out. He drove out to the tacker's property and found the house burned to the ground. He was all baffled since nobody had reported a fire. The barn was still standing, so he decided to give it a look. The story goes that when he went inside, he found the boys hanging upside down from the rafters, their skin cut clean from their bodies. Tabitha Tacker was on a table. Her neck slashed open. Not a drop of blood left in her. And Morgan Tacker? Well, he was nowhere to be found. At first they thought maybe he'd been abducted or dragged off or something, But eventually, everyone decided he was likely the one who killed his wife and them boys. They searched for him for a long time, but nothing. Jimmy told me he went out there to the barn once, him and a few of his friends, and they saw something that nearly spooked his hair white. He made me promise to never go out there, and until that night, it was a promise I kept. I sat in the Plymouth for quite a bit, just staring at Jimmy's car and wondering what the hell he would come out here for. I thought for a minute about turning the key, pulling the car around, and heading home. I'd wait until morning, until we were all safe under the light of the sun, and I would just ask him about it, would walk right up to him and tell him I knew where he'd been and ask what the hell he was doing out there. I wonder how much might have changed if I'd done that. Maybe things would be better. Maybe not. It was the next morning. I went into town and traded my twenty-two rifle for the thirty-eight. Some things we see, and we ain't never able to unsee. I figure it was me seeing that got Mama killed. Jimmy knew I was out there, knew I was watching him between the busted side of that barn. I don't know how he knew. Maybe he could smell it on me. Maybe your sense of smell gets better after it happens. I don't know. All I do know is that he knew I was there. When I got back to my house, I locked myself in my bedroom, pulled the blankets and pillows into the floor between my bed and the wall. I tried to go to sleep. I couldn't, though, and I heard Jimmy come in sometime after five. He walked down the hall, stopped just outside my door. I held my breath and listened. A few minutes passed, and finally he walked away. I left the house around nine, grabbing my rifle and heading to the pawn shop over on Baltic. Mr. Klein, the guy that ran the place, he was a friend of mine and he gave me an even trade for the guns. After that, I went to my friend Chuck's house to wait. Mama was at work and I didn't want to be home alone with Jimmy. I didn't speak a word of what I'd seen to Chuck. Jimmy was my brother and this was family business. Things had started off all right, at least they seemed all right. When I finally managed my way around the piles of rotting boards and thick growths of grass and roots, I found a good spot where I could stand and see into the barn. Climbed up there, trying to make as little sound as possible, pressed my eye up to a hole in the building. The two town girls were sitting on top of this big wooden table, both of them laughing, drinking back and forth from a bottle of vodka. Their only source of light was a dim yellow lantern. Jimmy was standing next to them, watching them. At first, I didn't see the other girl, the one with the deep eyes. But then she walked into my line of sight. I saw the knife right away, its long blade catching the light from that lantern. But those two girls either didn't notice it, or they didn't care. As she drew closer, Jimmy moved in on one of the girls and started kissing her and after a few moments the second girl joined in. When the dark girl reached them, she was holding the knife to her side. She reached forward and took one of the girls' heads and pulling it towards her she started kissing her too. That's when the air changed. Everything went thick and wrong and I knew what was coming before it came. The dark girl grabbed the other girl by the hair and wrenched her head back. It only took a second before she dragged the sharp blade across the neck of her victim. Blood shot out like a damn fountain. Her friend saw it and went to scream, only nothing came out. Jimmy looked at her and smiled. Then he yanked her head back by the hair and bit down hard on her neck. Now she was screaming her fists slamming into his sides, her body convulsing. Jimmy's head twisted back and forth a couple of times before he finally drew it back, ripping a chunk of her neck as he did. Her scream turned into a gurgled gasp, and her fists slowly dropped to her sides. And then, Jimmy and the dark girl fed. I watched in horror as they started to drink the blood right out of those throats. They lapped at it, licking and sucking while the life slowly drained from the two girls. I'm not sure how long I stood there. Ten minutes, two minutes, felt like forever. When I finally did snap back into reality, I ran back to the car and sped out of there, my heart beating so hard I thought it might pound its way right through my chest. Mama got home from work around six, and I should have known better than to stay at Chuck's so late, but I wanted to make sure she was there before me. I never thought Jimmy would hurt her, never really thought he'd hurt me either, I guess, but I wanted to have her there, just in case, you know. Jimmy always listened to Mama. When I walked in the door, Mama was sitting at the table picking the peas out of one of them pot pies you could get at the market, six for five dollars. She looked up at me, and I could tell right off she was upset. Having Mama upset with you was not a good thing. Once, about a year before, I accidentally broke her ceramic Virgin Mary statue because Jimmy and me were wrestling around in the living room. And Mama nearly beat me to death with a fly swatter. She was always coming after you with whatever she could find nearby. When I came in, she asked me where I'd been, and I told her I'd stopped by the pawn shop, then went over to Chuck's for a visit. She told me she thought Jimmy might be sick, and that under those circumstances I should have been here with him. I told her I was sorry, but it was too late. Once Mama's fuse was lit, it was only a matter of time before she went off. She stood from her chair and slapped me across the face. It was hard, but she'd hit me harder before, so I took that pain in stride. She started yelling, and I turned my eyes down to look at my feet. I guess that's when Jimmy came in, because I didn't see him and I didn't hear him either. Jimmy said something I didn't quite catch, and Mama stopped yelling. She turned to look at him and let out a yelp, and that's when I looked up. He was wearing the same clothes from the night before, and they were all stained with the copper red of blood. His skin was gray and sunken, and there were streaks of something red on his face and hands. I ain't sure why Jimmy went at Mama, but he did. He let out a howl and shot forward, taking her head in his hands and throwing her to the floor with him on top. I watched as he started slamming the back of Mama's head into the kitchen floor again and again. It took me a moment to figure out what was happening, but finally I raced over to them and I tried to take hold of Jimmy's arm. He snapped a fist back and crushed me right in the jaw. It took me back off my feet and knocked me stupid. By the time I'd managed to pull myself back to my feet, it was too late. Pieces of Mama's skull were sticking to the linoleum, and I could see her eyes were rolling back in her head, and Jimmy wasn't stopping. Just like I ain't sure why he attacked Mama, I have no idea why Jimmy didn't come for me. When he finished with her, he just stood up, pushed past me, walked out the door. I knew where he was going, just as sure as I knew he wasn't Jimmy anymore, at least not completely. I called Chuck and asked for his car again. Then I went back out to Tacker's barn and I waited for my brother to show up. I sat there almost three hours before he came. Three hours alone in that bad place. Every noise was a ghost, every shadow a demon. And I ain't ashamed to tell you, I raised that snub nose up at nothing at least a half dozen times sitting there in that dark, damp place. I also had time to think about Mama and Jimmy, and I cried a little. I cried, and I remembered. When I was nine, I found this rabbit out in the yard. It had a bad foot and couldn't hop. looked like a dog or coyote might have had at it. I wanted to take it in and nurse it back to health. Jimmy tried to talk me out of it, But I can get a bit stubborn sometimes. Being the good brother he always was, Jimmy helped me set up a hutch in the shed. I spent over a week putting antibiotic on its leg and feeding it, changing its bedding and making sure it was warm. But in the end it was no use. Infection set in and the rabbit started getting sick. It started acting kind of crazy and Jimmy told me it was because of it running a fever. He told me that rabbit wasn't in its right head and that I should show mercy and put it down. I tried. I stood out there with my twenty-two and stared the rabbit down for nearly ten minutes, but in the end, I couldn't pull the trigger. Over the next two days, I watched as that rabbit suffered and died. When the car pulled in, I stood, raised the gun, and waited for my brother to enter with the girl. That beautiful girl. Neither of them looked surprised to see me. Jimmy just smiled and gave me a nod, and the girl, well, she just stood there next to him, looking at me with those eyes. I looked into them for a while, and I almost fell. It was black inside there, a hole in the ground that didn't seem to end. And I wanted to stay in that hole. Wanted to climb in it and stay. But I turned away giving my head a shake. Then I trained the gun on Jimmy. He took a step forward, and I shouted at him to stop. He did, but that smile stayed. I watched a lot of movies growing up, read a few comic books too, and there was one thing I knew. There are things out there that feed on people. Things that drank their blood and change them. Some say they had to be taken down by wood or crosses or sunlight. Jimmy didn't like the sun anymore. That much was true. But when he started at me again, this time with pure animal rage on his face, I squeezed the trigger and he dropped to his knees. The girl screeched and hissed. I saw her eyes change from those dark pools to red flames and I turned the barrel at her. I pulled twice more and the right side of her face disappeared. She hit the floor, her body all stiff and dried. Jimmy sat there still on his knees, just staring up at me. I drew in a breath, closed my eyes, and put the rabbit out of its misery. All right, guys, there you go. My brother Jimmy, a short story I wrote. God, I don't know how many years ago now. Hopefully uh, you guys enjoyed that one. Probably going to do some more short stories occasionally, if you guys like them. Next episode, we're going to be kicking off the first chapter of Lyric. Lyric, again, is a novel I worked on for a few years and finally decided I wanted to release it as an audiobook podcast. So that's why you're here. Hopefully you guys enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed writing it. Hey, again, the website, should you want to check out any additional information, is jasonemmett.com. That's two M's, two T's. Uh, You can also go to lyricnovel.com. Either will get you there. Again, I want to say thank you. Please subscribe. Please share. Please review the show wherever you're listening. This is Jason Emmett signing off. Until next, we speak.